So if there has ever been a time to stop attending church, it is now. I know that is surprising. I looked at Doris, you gave me exactly the reaction I expected. Stop attending church, what are you saying? I'm saying that we've been so consumed with attendance numbers and what that tells us about the vitality of the church and that just simply is not so in today's world. Preachers and, 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 and uh, denominations have been tied up with what is your average attendance? Which I've said for years doesn't tell much about our church where an active individual in the faith will say that I attend church about once a month. And they will call that their home. There are so many other ways to be the church. There are so many other ways for people to connect with the church. The church is not inside these walls. The church is not even in our beautiful sanctuary and pews, though that is where we come and gather as God's people to worship. The church is you. I am reminded of a story I might have shared with you of a young woman named Randy when I was in Jacksboro, she came to visit me. Her and her four children had connected with our Wednesday night children's program called Sacred Circle. They started coming on the invitation of the leader of that, of that group. They enjoyed it so much that when confirmation came about, she raised her hand or gave me a call and said, Hey, Cassie, can my daughter also do confirmation? And I'm interested in membership. She said, I have been lost from the church for many years, hurt by so much, and yet I feel as though I have found my home. This young woman had never worshipped with us. And so what I learned in that very moment is Jesus saying to me, See, Cassie? The church does not necessarily sit in the pews. So we are starting over the next four weeks about a, a, a series called Worship Plus Two. I still believe in worship. But we're starting this series that tells us how to stop attending church and actually begin to be the church, to engage with the church, to, to live into the life of the church so that not only you can be transformed, but others can be transformed through you. To plug in to the life that God desires for us requires three simple things that become a lifestyle. One is to engage in worship weekly weekly in person or online many of us are worshiping online in these days to connect with a group weekly online or in person it is in these groups that we are truly known that others begin to know our heart and our soul and where god transforms our hearts and soul through acts of learning and fellowship and accountability. And third, to commit to serve. To show our witness at least monthly out into the world in a significant kind of way that all, not only transforms us, but transforms the lives of others. 
The entry point into the life of faith is buried. And while we are calling this worship series uh, Worship Plus Two, we are going to begin this morning with a commitment to serve, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. And what exactly does that mean? Well, Mother Teresa puts it this way. She says that when we serve, we pour great amounts of love into ordinary, everyday actions for one another. Great amounts of love into ordinary, everyday actions for one another. There are many, many scriptures that could be the foundation and support this idea of serving and and giving of ourselves, but one that comes to mind for me is in uh, Micah. It's one that we have learned to love over time. You will be familiar with it when I read it in a moment. You see, Micah was a prophet in the 8th century before Jesus. He addresses what God requires of us. And in this particular passage that I am about to read with you, he does it in using a particular literary kind of, uh, of mode. He does it as if we are in a courtroom setting. He, God addresses the people as if they are on trial. And the foundations of the world, the mountains around them are the jury. And it is in this setting that God reminds the people of all the things that God has done for them. God says, I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Don't you remember Moses and Aaron and Miriam? I helped you cross the Jordan into the promised land and I protected you from your enemies. And when God finishes reminding the people of who God is and how much God loves them, it is the people's turn to ask exactly what God expects of them. They have gone astray. They have realized it and they come before God with, an, with, an, with the desire to make things right again. And in this familiar passage I'm about to read, I want you to listen to their defense. How their defense escalates, and then how the response, the response de-escalates, calms, and puts everything in perspective once again, actually ushers in a sense of peace. I'm going to be reading from Micah 6 verses 6 through 8. Listen now to what God says through the prophet Micah. The people are speaking now. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? This was common practice. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Now they've gone to exaggerating. God has never required thousands of these things. And then they go even a step further. Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for sin and my soul? God has never required human sacrifice in any form of the people. And then the prophet steps 
to the podium. And the prophet says, He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God? This is the word of God for the people of God. You see what the prophet does here is actually change the question. The people are asking, what do I have to do to please God through ritual ceremony, through religious rites and actions and practices? And God's reply, through the words of the prophet, is that what God really desires is a way of life. A way of life that every day lives beyond any religious practices and rituals. It's a way of being. The prophet reminds us that it's not what God wants from us, but rather what God wants for us. It's a threefold summary, he says, and all of these are action based to do justice. The Hebrew word is mitzpat, which is something that people do. There is hardly an English equivalent for this word, but it means that they wish not that they do justice. It's an action rather than an ideology, not something they just sit around and think about or complain about because it's not there, but rather God calls these people to work for fairness and for equality for all people, most especially for those who are weak and poor, according to Jesus. In the parable of the goats and the sheep, the master says, when you do it to the least of these, you do it to me. And then the prophet says, to love kindness. The NRV says, to love mercy. This Hebrew word is hesed, and it cannot convey our English understanding in a single word. It is bigger, it is bolder, it is broader. It contains all uh, that we understand about what it is to love and to be loyal and faithful in all relationships in our relationships with one another as well as God's relationship with us. That is our foundation. That is our example. There's no coercion in these relationships. No, I will love you so that you can help me. There is nothing that is coercive. Rather, it is motivated by God's grace and God's love. And then the prophet says, you are to walk humbly with your God, to put God first, to walk with God as a constant companion. This companionship is all relational. We can't walk with someone without being in relationship with them. God is a social God by God's very nature. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are interdependent, three persons in one God. And humans are social because they are created in the image of God. 
The humble walk with God is God's ordained holy relationship among people. God, a relationship with God, a relationship with the land, a relationship with our environment, and that includes everything that is social about our family systems, our community systems, our school systems. It is, it is social in the way that we understand our political dynamics in the world in which we live and the cultural practices that we each bring with us to every scenario. At the core of our Wesleyan theology is a social holiness. John Wesley wrote, the gospel of Christ knows no religion but social, no holiness but social holiness. Apart from a relationship with God and a gospel that is relational with one another, we cannot be holy. The prophet here makes a point that God desires to live in relationship with us as individuals, but also as a community. Because God is talking to the community called the Israelites. They present themselves to the world as a single witness. We present ourselves to the world as a single witness of Christianity. The prophet's key verse, number eight there, is about a lifestyle, one's total outlook on life. St. Teresa of Avila is a, was a Spanish nun who lived in the mid-16th century and uh, she worked with her nuns to teach them about this social holiness. And she talked about the way that is lived out in the way that they care for the world. And she made this observation. She wrote, Christ has no body now on earth but yours. No hands but yours. No feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which the compassion of Christ must look out on the world. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. Yours are the hands with which he is to bless his people. We've heard it said we are to be the hands and feet of Christ. And I believe this is what she is talking about. So how do we plug into this life that God wants us to be about? To do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with God. It is to commit to serve. To serve one another, but also serve those whom we do not know. Our Worship Plus Two catalog will come out this week and it will have all kinds of ways that you can serve, that you can commit to a group, and that you can worship. And in it, we'll be filled with links on how to get connected in these various activities or the names of people that you can contact to make this commitment. We are encouraging you during this fall to make a commitment to serve at least once a month in some significant kind of way. There are ways that we can do this in person through uh, handing out food at our Decatur Cares mobile food pantry every first Saturday of the month here on our parking lot. 
You can serve our youth and children through the various youth and children's ministries. If you have a desire to cook and, and a love for cooking, there will be opportunities for you to sign up for youth meals and other opportunities to cook for those who need us in a time of sorrow. If worship is your passion, there will be many ways that you can continue to serve your congregation through uh, greeting and ushering and leading in significant ways through music or through uh, being a lay reader up here up front or even being a part of our tech team. I want to thank our ladies and, and people back up here tonight today who are, who are literally sweating it out for us today. We have uh, our technology needs have increased as we've moved to an online platform that we never see going away. It's an opportunity for you to stay engaged in worship even when you are not physically here in the building. And if you prefer to stay at home, there will be ways for you to engage as well. We still want to, to engage our telecare uh, ministry a group of people that call on a regular basis those who cannot be with us. And Carol Ann Carson is already at work with the local schools to find ways that we can support our teachers, administrators, and counselors and schools on a month-to-month -month basis. Friends, I'm asking you to commit to serve, which I don't think is a stretch for this church. From the time I came here, I found that you were a church that gave beyond yourself. You were involved actively in the community in many ways. You lived out your Christianity in everyday life, whether it was in the name of First United Methodist Decatur or whether you were serving in some other entity across our community. You brought with you the hands and feet of Christ. So friends, it is indeed time to stop attending church and instead engage at a deeper, more intentional level. Won't you commit to serve? Thanks be to God. Amen. Yeah.